Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. We're back again. And this is episode 37 of The Quiet Part Loud. As always, I'm Daryl, and I'll be hosting this bitch. How you guys doing? Here we are with Roseanne being canceled for being a straight-up ignorant bitch. Um, We got fucking Kim Kardashian as a White House advisor now. I mean, this is not a simulation, guys, right? Or maybe it is. I don't know. Um, But... We got the fucking NHS spending a billion quid they don't got. And I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just confounded by the world at the moment. Uh, so I wanted to jump on and, and, and just speak on a couple of things, man, because it's as usual been a pretty crazy, uh, crazy few days. Um, but up front, I want to apologize for a couple of things, uh, just off the bat. One, uh, if you've listened to the last episode of the show, you would have heard me say uh, episode uh, 35. Then I uploaded episode 35. Problem was, we already did an episode 35, and the last show was obviously episode 36. Uh, it's been re-uploaded and corrected, but obviously the audio has not, um, because I try not to edit the audio. Um, which actually is the second thing I want to, uh, just kind of apologize for because I listened back to a couple of episodes and something screwy has been, uh, really degrading the audio. It sounds very echoey and very jumpy and I'm working on it. I just want to let you guys know that I am working on it. There are some equalization tools that I've got, um, but just bear with me. Um, so apologies if you've had a bad listening experience, um, across any or all of the episodes. Um, I think I've got a fix in place uh, and we're going to try it out for this episode here. Um, and we'll see how it goes, but basically it just needs to level off. But again, just for context, right? Like I'm, I'm doing this at my house. It's not a studio. It's in my living room right by the windows. So in terms of it's, uh, ability to conduct good sound. I think I may have to make some adjustments here as well because I feel like I'm in an alcove. So I feel like that might be causing some of the reverberation and uh, some of the, some of the distortion that you're hearing because it's not the mic. The mic's good. Um, the recording is solid. Uh, so I think it's just an equalization problem. So bear with me guys. Um, you know, I say we a lot, but I'm powering this thing uh, solo, and sometimes I don't, I don't like to listen to myself. If that makes sense, one, I don't want to give any false numbers on on any of the stats that I'm compiling about our user growth and things like that and our listenership. Um, but but also, I just I, I don't kind of look back. I just want to keep plowing forward. Um, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Uh, because obviously, you know, listening back, I've picked up a couple of things that need correcting. So I'm going to take a closer look on things and just keep a closer eye on, on the actual quality control and the, uh, 
you know, and the sound levels and just, and just the things I've been talking about. But um, apologies for that. Apologies for the fucked up description in the last episode. Uh, but we are absolutely on episode 37 now. And, you know, where's the time go, right? Fucking stupid thing to say. Um, but for real, I mean... I get comments like you've done you've done that many shows in in that that amount of time and if if the guys and girls that are listening out there if you think I'm putting out too much content let me know let me know I'll always take things on board I might not listen to them completely and I might not action them completely but I want that feedback that's the sort of things uh that I need to know about if you know if it does you know, kind of turn into a consensus, then, you know, there, there are certain levels to it, right. That you have to start paying attention to. If people are just being critical because they're being critical, then fuck you. Uh, this is what we do. We do it how we do it. We do it when we want to do it. Um, but also there's a sweet spot there of oversaturation. Um, and I, and I'm acutely aware of that. Um, but I haven't had any feedback on any of our platforms in terms of Daryl, you're putting out too much shit. Um, talk about this more. Talk about that more. There, there hasn't been a ton of that. So, um, so I'm guided by almost a lack of information sometimes. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Our numbers are growing, which is positive. Um, the folks out there following us on the social platforms, those numbers are growing. So everything is is positive in terms of the listenership. And again, we're grateful for that. Uh, but your feedback is critical and rating us on things like iTunes and, uh, you know, following us on SoundCloud and, and, and when we do Spotify that as well, because I know I was bitching about Spotify on the last show and their customer service can most certainly use work. Uh, but four days later, the issue has been resolved. We're back up on Spotify and now I'll be able to um, follow up the application submission or the podcast submission application uh, that I've done and just find out where the, where things are uh, with that. So that's I guess that's a little bit of house cleaning. Um, you know, if, if you've been living under a rock that you wouldn't have heard uh, that Roseanne's show has been canceled uh, after she made a a pretty fucking dumb, you know, pretty ignorant uh, tweet about a woman uh, basically saying the Muslim Brotherhood and uh, like Planet of the Apes had a baby or something like that. It was in regards to a woman who was a uh, mixed race of, I think, uh, Iranian or uh, Iraqi uh, mother. And a black father, or something like that. I don't, I don't know exactly uh, what the mix is. Doesn't doesn't fucking matter. Um, the the point is that Roseanne had the most successful show. She brought her show back, and it was the most successful show on American television. Um, you know, you're talking 20, 30, 40 million viewers, unheard of numbers. Um, Roseanne was huge when I was a kid. You know, I come from a <laughs> I come from a poor family. Roseanne was like. You know, we fucking, we knew people like them. Um, you know, we weren't, you know, so many degrees off of them, uh, if I'm being completely, completely honest with you guys. But 
Roseanne was what working class people watched, man. Everybody fucking watched Roseanne. Not even working class people. Everybody watched Roseanne. It was enormous um, back in the day. So the reboot was was obviously one of those things that everybody was tuning into. But again, it was it's like I said on the other show. It would just it was a politicized uh, episodic TV show, and I just you know. Like, if you want to do a political drama or, like, a political satire show, fucking do one. Like, Veep's hilarious. The West Wing was amazing. You know, there there are great examples of, of, of being able to get political views onto television. But it's not – it doesn't work under the guise of, of, like, comedy, I don't think, in my personal opinion. And in the last show, I referenced um, Blackish. Uh that was getting very, very political and it took away all of the comedy of the show, which was terrible. Um, The same thing was with Roseanne, but that didn't cause her downfall. She caused her downfall. Um, And she knew it was wrong because she came out right after and apologized for it, you know? Um, But it's like, well, what, what, what part of that apology is due to the fact that you were called by the ABC execs basically straight away or your agent and team and basically told like get this down now or you're fucked basically um i tend to think it's that i tend to think if she wouldn't have received those calls that she wouldn't necessarily have taken it down but the problem goes to the follow-up for me Everybody's allowed to make a bad joke. Everybody's allowed to make a joke in bad taste. Whatever. That's fine. You want to be a racist? You want to talk racism? Fine. There are consequences to all of those, all of those things. But to blame it on fucking Ambien, like Ambien tweeting, blame it on the Ambien, right? Jamie Foxx is going to do a fucking remake to this song. Right, it's not going to be blaming on the a- 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 alcohol. It's going to be blaming on the uh, 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 ambient. You know, I mean, these people with the audacity to just like blow it off. The makers of Ambient, by the way, came out and just like shat all over. She's like, uh, or he was like, or they were like, uh, Ambien. One of the known side effects of Ambien is not. Uh, racism, <laughs> something like that. I mean, blame it on the, uh, blame it on the uh, 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 ambient. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just silly. Like, you know, and then nobody's buying that. So she claims responsibility. She's like, listen, this is my fault. Don't feel sorry for me. Listen, n- nobody feels sorry for you except the people who think that way, that it's okay to, call a mixed race person a product of the Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of the Apes. I mean, what were you going for there? It was, was it in bad taste? 100%. You, you, you probably feel like that as well, because I know you're respected in the comedy circles. I personally don't like you. I think you're a fucking nightmare. I think, you know, people who are maybe under 30 might not remember and people from the UK probably won't remember. Um, 
But like Roseanne's the type of woman that like sings the national anthem bad on purpose, spits all over the field whilst grabbing her pussy and like like kind of like doing like a fucking like a fucking like a gyration to the crowd. Like you can you can YouTube it. She's she's a pig. You know, she might be funny. She might be a good comic and, and respected in those circles. But on a human level, to me, she seems like a pig. And this is what pigs do. You know, they make ignorant fucking statements like this. And again, she's entitled to it. But I'm entitled to call her a fucking pig, too. For me, she, you know, she made a fucking ignorant statement. Now, the question for me is... Should she have lost her show? She was saying how she felt about something. She was making, you know, kind of a political posturing gesture. And she got sacked. Would I have fired her? Yeah, probably. Probably. If I'm the head of a brand like ABC, yeah, I'd probably sack her because... I don't play one side or the other with my TV sitcoms. It has to be broad, mass audience, and that's it. I need as many people to watch so that more people will advertise with me and spend more money doing it. You don't make money if a whole group of people don't tune in to your shows. It doesn't work that way. So I would imagine that the head of ABC is in the numbers game, and the more, the better, because it equals more of everything, right? So I can most definitely see how they would fire her for that. But are we talking about a freedom of speech issue because she did it on her own Twitter account? And where does the separation between what you can say personally and what you are held accountable for in your business because it's obviously been amplified like never before in terms of social media, right? Like 20 years ago, this was said to a friend in your group of circle in person, right? Or over the phone. But now people have the like just unmatched and unregulated ability to put whatever their thoughts are out to the entire world. You know, so should there be some adjustment in terms of how we consider punishment in terms of that? Because she's clearly affiliating with one type of people here and there is political slant to this. But that makes me think about what's going on in the NFL as well, right? So with the protests and the NFL players, they've been told by the league that they have one of two choices. They can stand for the national anthem or they can stay in the locker room, but they will be punished, fined or otherwise, if they kneel during the national anthem on the field. So what you find here is that the two opposite supporters of both the NFL protests and the Roseanne supporters 
are kind of the same thing, right? Because the guys, the people who are supporting the NFL protests and their right to kneel on the field hate what Roseanne said and vice versa. But one, are they both not just expressing a version of freedom of expression, expressing a freedom of expression? Are they, are they not just um, using a freedom of expression and freedom of speech to carry out a political point of view? And on both sides, are they not like private entities that have a code of conduct that can be implemented or amended at any point in time and therefore levy consequences on behavior that they don't as an organization agree with? It's kind of two sides of the same coin, right? Or am I off on that? Or are you choosing to be affiliated with one of those sides and therefore naturally oppose the other one? See, that's what I'm trying to do in this whole chaotic um, situation that we find ourselves in. With the division between, you know, thoughts and ideas and the, you know, the formation of these subgroups and these tribes and things like that. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying my best to navigate the middle because I think that's the, that's the best place to be if I'm completely honest, right? Because I think, like I've said before on the podcast, any version of extremity, any version of being an extreme on one side or another is a dangerous thing. And think of it as a circle. They're not polar opposites. They're actually sitting right next to each other. And right in the middle, there has to be the place for nuance and context and consideration and critical thinking and independent thought. And I just... I just wonder if the people who support the NFL players protesting and kneeling during the national anthem, if the people who support them, do they agree with what Roseanne is doing? Not what she said, because I don't agree with what she said, but I have to be okay with what she did, which was express herself. And she expressed herself publicly. Right now, yes, it was a very ignorant thing. Yes, it could have been articulated in a different way. But we're we are talking about this single tweet in in one instance, but her commentary as a wider thing that slants very much in favor of you know Donald Trump and and being a conservative and a right winger and 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 and, if, and I go even farther, man. She's like a conspiracy theorist, right? So she has the right to express those things, and you have the right to ridicule. Just like you have the right to protest the national anthem and the president of the United States said those says those sons of bitches should be fired. Now, funnily enough, these two divisive situations, topics, are both anchored at his feet because he was the one that incited such vitriol around them taking a knee, right? From Colin Kaepernick all the way through. He's the one that's been putting pressure on these owners. He's the one that's been making public statements about the political correctness or acceptability of, of these actions. So he's weighed in on a commercial issue, on a social issue with a very definitive statement. That to me could be a problem. 
right? Using political office to sway commercial interests one way or another. I don't think that's right. But he also has come out and defended Roseanne. So he has a definite angle on both of these things. And he's not impartial in his viewpoint, you know, saying, oh, well, um, he didn't apologize to me using himself in the third person when talking about like the president of, of ABC uh, saying something about the apprentice. But I, I just wonder if this is just two sides of the same coin and if it only differentiates itself based on your particular viewpoint. I don't know. We'll see. It's just my thoughts on it, but, uh, I think there's, I think there might be something to that, but while we're, while we're with the, the big, the big orange man, let's, uh, let's stay there for a minute. Let's, let's stay there and and talk about, talk about the fact that he brought Kim Kardashian to the white house to discuss prison reform. So just for clarity, I'll say it again. Donald Trump invited Kim Kardashian to the White House to discuss prison reform. Now imagine if you went into a coma four years ago and woke up and saw that. You'd you'd ask to be put back in. Wake you up, like, give me the demolition man cryotherapy. I want to go back to sleep until all this shit is cleared up. And let me, let me bring it back. And hopefully I don't wake up in the handmaid's tale. Hopefully I wake up in, in, uh, in some improved version of, of reality. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's head scratching type of, type of stuff when you see these sort of headlines, when you see that this president, Donald Trump, a fake ass business construction tycoon turned reality television star who is now the president of the United States and the arguably, although he's deteriorating this on his own, the most powerful man in the world has invited a famous social media star and reality TV star who got her fame from a porno, a homemade porno that her mom made, is now speaking about prison reform. 2018. I mean, this is it, right? This is, this is, this is the world. This is the world. An e-news star and a television star who's the president are talking about prison reform. And she, I guess she was talking about having some eight-year-old great-grandmother released from prison. And I'm, just, I, but I'm just thinking on the wider issue. We're talking about prison reform. So did she just have an audience with the president to get a pardon for a lady? 
because she's got channels into the president, you know, via Kanye or whoever it is. And actually, they didn't talk. How could they talk about the wider prison reform? How could they talk about it? I mean, he's for privatized prisons, and she probably doesn't know what privatized prison system is. I just, it fucking boggles my mind. It boggles my mind that, that this is the world that we're living in and everybody's accepting of it. Like, nobody's batting an eyelid about this. That's a huge problem. Sarah Sanders, the press secretary, uh, 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 the White House press secretary, uh, got a little choked up when a little boy asked her about school shootings. They did like a an ask, like a meet the press secretary, and there were some kids in there, and I guess one of them or two of them were allowed to ask questions, and, and one of them obviously asked about gun reform and that that sort of thing. And she she either played getting choked up or she she actually got choked up. Um, but there was a there was a glint of human there. There was a glint of human. It wasn't all abominable snowman or fucking Sasquatch. But it's hard to watch what's going on in America when there aren't enough people screaming from the rooftops about how bad things are getting. And people say, oh, I don't feel it. No, no change, no difference to me. Pay attention. Pay attention. Because he's now... He's now levied tax on aluminum and steel. But he hasn't done it for... Like, he hasn't imposed trade tariffs on... Maybe the, the typical players that you might think he would, he's imposed them on his allies. He's imposed them on Mexico and Canada and the European Union. Unilaterally, just taking it upon himself to go ahead and levy these taxes of 25% and 10%. Which makes it a direct run on to the consumer, which has, a, I'm not going to go into the whole economic spectrum of it, but if you want to ship into America, now it costs you 25% more if you're, if you're under the, under the trade guidelines of steel or steel products and 10% if it's aluminum. People are like, oh, that doesn't matter. What, what does that matter? It matters huge. It matters huge. Because the margin on those companies producing those imports to America are going to be squeezed, which means they're potentially not going to be able to keep the amount of staff on. Um, they're not going to be able to acquire the materials to do the volume. Therefore, their profit margins sink. And that has a run on to the economy overall, right, within those countries. But that those those costs get passed on to the the consumer. So retaliatory, retaliatory uh, measures have been taken now by. Well, I know Canada for sure, and I know the specifics of that. But uh, presumably, already the EU as well. I need to update myself on that. But 
I mean, the head of the European Commission for Trade came out and said, you know, this is completely unacceptable. And if he wants to do that, okay, we're going to do it back. The, the thing about going it alone, like Donald Trump has run on his entire platform, is it doesn't work. Isolationism doesn't work. There is a global market, a global community, and a globalist way of doing business and way of doing bureaucracy and way of doing foreign policy. Unilateral doesn't work. It does not work. You've got to have friends in the global community. And if you don't, you can be isolated. And if you're isolated, you can fail. And I know it can go the other way as well. And if you're tied into it, and you're, you know, you're part of a single market, then you know, you're only as strong as your weakest piece kind of thing, but I just don't see how isolationism works because even with the America and the, the North Korea summit, right, which is on again, off again, on again, off again, it's a high school relationship and, uh, and it shows the mentality of both players involved. It's, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke, but one of the reasons or one of the things that Trump is saying behind the summit in terms of how important it is for North Korea is what? It's bringing North Korea into the global economy. That's one of the main things that he said around this. I can see North Korea prospering. I can see North Korea being part of the global community and the global trade community and the global economy. Whilst at the same time, Trump is doing everything he can to alienate his own country in exactly that regard. He's isolating them. He's alienating America and the American market away from the rest of the global community. Just because he thinks he can, he can run the economy as a single economy. And anybody who wants to play in that single economy has to bend. That's, it's not China, man. It's not the same thing. And the tariffs that other countries can put on and will put on and have already put on will be detrimental. Will be detrimental. The list of, of goods that Canada has imposed. I mean, I think America's, uh, the American tariffs to Canada were something like 12 or 13 billion. And the Canadian tariffs back to America are well over 16 billion. Which is exactly what I think you should do. It's not like for like. Fuck that guy. It's not like for like. If this guy wants to fuck around and be an isolationist, then let him. Let him try. But this is exactly why Brexit is a terrible idea. You need to have these things sewn up on a wider, on a wider scale. Me and you doing business is okay, but me doing business with you and all your friends, that's way better. For obvious fucking reasons, right? Obvious reasons. But you don't set those things up and then say, hey, by the way, fucko, now you got to pay 25% more and 10% more out of nowhere. It just doesn't work like that. So I think it's completely foolhardy of him to do this. And I mean, we haven't even seen what the, what the run on what the runoff kind of consequences of this are yet. But George Bush tried to do this back in the day 
and uh, and it lasted like a week or two because he understood after he tried to do it that actually you need to be involved in these markets. You can't just alienate people. There are temporary measures. It's kind of like a it's kind of a bit like a fuck you. Like we can make it work or not, but. Donald Trump has done so much to set foreign policy for America back over the last year and whatever it is that I think they're kind of sick of it now. And they're just like, fuck you then. We'll do it without you. We'll we'll keep cracking on without you. And that's why Brexit sucks because Brexit now makes us have to negotiate with a psycho and with somebody, a, a group of people that we pissed off just because we were short-sighted and because the British public were effectively lied to. We weren't told anything about Brexit. Even to this day, they don't know what's going to happen with Brexit. If you remember about a month ago, they laid out all of the papers and all the agreed-upon points and all the yet-to-be-agreed-upon points and all the like yet-to-be-discussed points. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy. And now you've got the abortion overturning that's happened in Ireland, which is going to trickle into Northern Ireland, which is going to cause problems because the DUP are the leading party there who are a part of the coalition government that gives Theresa May a majority. And they're staunchly against abortion. So what's Theresa May going to do? If the people in Northern Ireland rise up and actually decide that they feel this way too. The DUP are out. Theresa May loses her majority. And then what? There's enough instability. And, you know, and we're waiting to come out of a single market, out of a single market. It's just, it's insane to me, but this is the world, right? And just, don't, what are you talking about this for, Daryl? Forget about it. Don't worry about it. Why always looking at the negative? Why always got to watch, you know, why always got to do the heavy stuff? Why you got to always like focus on the heavy stuff? What should we talk about? Should we talk about what the BBC were just talking about five minutes ago about Love Island coming back? Because you can suck my whole dick with any of that shit. I'm not interested in it. That shit is McDonald's for the mind and I'm not bothered. What I am bothered about is the fact that we continue to pay more and more for our train and our transport tickets than ever before. And these morons can't even do a time change or a schedule change without fucking up half of the country's network connections, canceling services, doing replacement services and having to cancel those replacement services whilst people can't get to work. That's already a stressful enough journey because we're prodded and fucking poked on that transport and stuffed in like cattle expected to go to work and do a job when you're already at a nine by the time you arrive at work on the fucking frustration scale. Can't even sort that out. That's what I want to talk about. I don't care about fucking Love Island. I don't care about The Bachelorette. I care about people getting fucked over, people being pissed off, people being ignorant to the fact that the world around them is effectively falling to bits. 
and nobody wants to say shit. Nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, I don't talk about that, man. Let's let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something that happened three years ago. Remember that time when? Fuck you. How about that? Let's talk about what the fuck is going on now. Let's talk about the shit that matters. Let's talk about the fact that it's a year on. And some of these people that lived in the Grenfell Tower still haven't found a home. Let's talk about some shit. Sorry. I didn't mean to get frustrated. <laughs> Listen, it was a beautiful weekend. It's so rude to do that on the microphone. <laughs> it's such a beautiful weekend. It was so hot, so sunny. Got the barbecue out, which is amazing. My garden is coming to life, which is amazing. Um, I went to hang my lamps up and they're all fucking broken. So I had to chuck those out. Anyways, I don't know why I told you that, but, uh, that's a bit of a switch of pace, but I think I got a little bit sunburned. I was out there all weekend with the dogs and, uh, yeah, I think I got a little sunburned. So <laughs> gotta be careful, but it doesn't matter because you only get two days of it at a time. And then you, then the whole tan goes away. And then hopefully you get like another day in a couple of weeks where you can where you can maybe top it up or something like that. But yeah, I mean today in London just looks terrible. It just looks looks gray. Looks like the volcano in Guatemala has exploded on London. It's just gray, cloudy, looking like shit. But um, yeah, on, on a serious note, that um, that volcano's fucking everything up. I think it's killed 25 people already and like 100 or some odd more have been like badly injured. It's, like, it's no joke, man. It's pretty bad. Um, you know, Hawaii's still getting fucked up by theirs as well. And, you know, it's just pff, cataclysmic, isn't it? It's all over the fucking place. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty bad, man. Uh, we're, we're quite lucky here that all we've got to worry about is, uh, is shit gray weather, to be honest with you. Um, you know? spattered with some nice days as as it was this weekend but uh yeah caught up on the ufc watched that there was a fight night in utica uh not too much to talk about actually i think it was a pretty shit card um but the 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 main event was uh marlon Moraes versus uh um jimmy rivera that's it jimmy rivera and i mean for all accounts, people were expecting a better fight than than what they got. But Marlon Marais is no fucking joke. Um, he caught him, man. He clipped him. And it was a head kick. And it just wobbled him. And he swarmed Jimmy and just finished him off. It was 33 seconds of the first round. Um, and definitely the highlight of the card. So... Onwards and upwards for for Marlon because that's a that's a big win for him uh, and he just he just keeps proving himself so yeah so that was good um, but the the card I'm interested in and have been looking forward to for some time is this Sunday which is UFC two twenty five I believe 
we're on 2.25 now? Yes, we are. And 2.25 is Robert Whitaker defending his title, middleweight title against Yuval Romero in the rematch. And this card is stacked up. Can't believe it. Monster, monster card for this one. Um, we got an interim welterweight title fight in the co-main event between uh, Rafael DeSanjos and Colby Covington, which I'm sure Darren Till will be watching quite closely, even though he so humbly said he doesn't think he deserves the next title shot, which is uh, which is funny. Um, after you just beat the number one guy in the world. But this card is savage, and I just want to run through it because it's so savage. They haven't bothered to break up what's on the prelims yet, uh, which is helpful. But some absolute bangers and then an absolute joke of a fight on this card as well, right? So you got Rashad Evans back on this card. You got... um, you got Ricardo Lamas on this fight. You got Claudia Gandalia on this fight. You got Alistair Overeem on this card. You got Andre Arlovsky on this card. You got Holly Holm on this card. And then, like I said, you got the two um, co-main and the main event, which are just explosive. Uh, you got Clay Guida on this card. You got Joseph Benavides and Sergio Pettis on this card. I mean... I don't want to count my chickens or anything, but I'm just hoping everybody stays healthy. Everybody has a good weight cut uh, because, <clears throat> I mean, this could this could be shaping up into uh, into the best card of the year, without a doubt. I mean, Clay Guida and Charles Oliveira. Uh, presumably, these will be on the prelims. I guess uh, we'll find out when they update the website. Um, that could be a fight of the night. Joseph Benavides versus Sergio Pettis could be a fight of the night. Um, Ricardo Lamas versus uh, Betkick could be fight of the night. I'm interested in seeing how Curtis Blades deals with Alistair Overeem's stand-up and whether or not he just goes straight to the wrestling in this one and, uh, and takes it down. And then you got... You know, the old boy Arlovsky coming in there. Um, we've got Megan Anderson versus Holly Holm, uh, which should be a great fight. Uh, we'll wait to see Megan Anderson. Again, UFC, she's your third main event. She's your co-co-main event. And you've only got a fucking shadow of her there. What are you doing? This girl was supposed to fight Cyborg. And you still haven't updated the picture. What is the matter with you guys? Uh, but that's going to be interesting. Uh, a couple stand-up fighters. Uh, that should be a good one. I think Megan Anderson's like a true 140. Um, so that should be good. Uh, and then, like I said, the co-main event is uh, number one versus number four in the welterweight division. And fuck, I don't know what's going on with this, but... It's RDA versus Colby Covington. I got no time for Colby Covington. He's, you know, he's a good fighter, but he's everything I don't like about the sport. 
He's, uh, he's a try too hard guy. Uh, he's, he's, he just seems like a prick. Um, and maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe he's not in real life, but he just comes off as an ignorant fucking try too hard for promotion. Want to be in front of the cameras as much as possible. Bullshit guy. I think you better take this success kind of, and this momentum he's got while he's got it and run with it because I just think he's going to get figured out. I don't see this guy being a champ. He might beat RDA. Um, you know, RDA has been through some wars and, like I said multiple times before, who knows when that chin just says I've had enough. Um, and Colby can definitely crack. You know, he can definitely fight. You know, he's beaten some guys for sure. Um, but I just think like RDA versus Colby Covington for an interim title is just a bit it's just a bit whack to me. Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really have much to say. I hope it's a good fight. I think it will be a good fight, but <coughs> I just I'm not really a big fan of either of these guys. Like they just don't like, they don't attract me in terms of like their fighting style. Their self promotion game is pretty weak. Like RDA really doesn't have one. Colby Covington's is completely fake and false and you can smell it. Unless he's just an absolute douchebag, then okay, great. It's authentic, but it's, it's, it's shit anyway. So, um, yeah, I just, I hope it's a good fight. Should be a good fight. Um, I hope RDA wins cause I can't fucking stand Colby Covington. Um, but the main event, man, the main event is the one Robert Whitaker coming back, defend the title against Yoel. Um, he won a unanimous decision in the last fight. Uh, it was a great fight. I think I got fight of the night. You know, Yoel's even more hungry. I think he's going to probably take a different approach to this fight. I think he's probably going to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, we'll see how the layoff treats Robert Whitaker. But, I mean, these two guys, you know, they're they're the best. They're the best in the world. And it's exactly what a title fight should be. Not like the co-main event where we're just throwing interim shit around. But these two are the best two. And I it's tough for me to pick on this because I really like Whitaker. I think his stand-up is so sharp. He's young, he's dynamic, um, he's just a savage on the feet. Uh, you know, and he's Got good wrestling too, but nothing like Yoel. I mean, Yoel's a different story. So we'll see if he goes for more of that uh, this time around. Like I said, is he going to be a bit more aggressive? It's not really his style. is more kind of low, low, pop, and explode. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I'm a big fan of Yoel after seeing him on the Joe Rogan podcast and having it translated by Joey Diaz was awesome. Um but he's a true warrior, man. He's a true athlete. And it'd be nice for him to get a title. I just, I don't know. I tend to, I, I tend to want to go with Whitaker on this just to keep that, keep that reign alive, keep that title going. He's a young guy, you know, Yoel's kind of, you know, not at the end of it, but almost, I think, uh, he's even said, 
you know, the training hurts a lot more. He doesn't like doing it as much. Um, which is kind of why I'm like, oh, it'd be nice for him to get a title. But, you know, I'm also about these young guys coming up and keeping the sport going and keeping the momentum with the younger generation and, and, and pushing through and evolving the sport and everything like that. So it's going to be a banger no matter what. And I'm kind of on the fence in terms of who I'd like to win. I just think that Whitaker has a more complete game. And I think if the ring rust and his time off hasn't affected him too, too badly, the outcome should be that he retains the title. So, and I wouldn't be mad at that. But also if, you know, Yoel comes in there and, you know, slices his face open with a flying knee and, you know, completely disfigures him like he did with uh, with Weidman. I wouldn't be mad at that either. I just want it to be a great fight. Um, and, you know, obviously, as the be- may the best man win kind of thing. But it would be nice if Whitaker kept it and, like I said, kept that momentum going and kept pressing through the division. But in terms of the co-main event, I just think this is kind of like a placeholder because, to be honest with you, I think Teron Woodley uh, beats both of these guys, beats RDA and... Colby Covington, and I think Stephen Thompson, I think Wonderboy fucks both these guys up. Um, I think Darren Till murks both of these guys. So for me, it's kind of like a, yeah, I hope it's a good fight, but yeah, kind of like if they do get the interim, whoever gets the next shot at him is going to beat him, in my opinion. So... And I just can't fucking stand Colby Covington. He's just a cunt, man. Um, I just, I don't like that try too hard shit. It's like LeBron in the last, in the last, uh, in the first game of the finals. He came out in a blazer and like tailored shorts with some kind of ankle high Chelsea boots and like, shin high gray dress socks and had like a purse and it's just like what the fuck dude why are you trying so hard it's the same thing with the MMA it's like if you're if you've got it like Conor McGregor has it then great use it but don't just be an overt prick for the sake of being an overt prick it's not the WWE the martial arts is about respect. I'm so much for the GSP way of going about business and going about the sport than I am the Colby Covington way. I like the Conor McGregor way. I love that. But that's authentic to me. It doesn't seem forced. And it's not particularly rude in the way that a Colby Covington is. <laughs> I just don't like that try shit, that try too hard shit. Um, but I, again, I just think Darren Till murks whoever in the 170. I really, like, now that I've seen the Steve Wonder, uh, the Wonder Boy fight again, man, Darren Till's a smart kid. Smart kid. I think, I think he beats, I think he beats whoever at welterweight. So I just, I think it's a matter of time. So my, my only thoughts with Darren Till are just stay healthy and you're good. Just stay healthy and you'll be fine. And then can you imagine like Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker? I mean, what a fucking fight that would be. 
What a fight that would be. I just, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But it's going to be a great event. Uh, and that's this coming Sunday. Uh, and that'll be on probably BT Sport 2 in the UK. 3 a.m. job. Uh, it's going to be a big card. Record it. Watch it the next day, most likely. I mean, if you're going to stay up, stay up. But it's going to be a big card. So you probably want to, uh, probably want to catch it the next day. So we'll see what the MMA gods have in store for us. But if anything, I just want a great card. Um, the only one I'm <laughs> listen when a when a guy's a professional fighter and he calls it a fifty year old commentator, he's a piece of shit. I don't like Colby Covington. He's a fucking piece of shit. He he came out and was like Joe Rogan better watch his mouth and like fuck you, dude. Like who do you think you are? Like it, it's like RDA called him. He's a worse version of Connor. He bites all of Connor's shit, tries to do the same thing, and it's it comes off as fake because he looks more like Mike Perry and acts more like Mike Perry than he does like Connor McGregor. So, um, like I said, way back in the beginning when we started, I respect anybody that gets into the cage and does this as a profession, but there are things that you can do that will remove some of that respect. And one of them is being like a Colby Covington, just an, just a disrespectful, rude, just, just a douchebag, really. Like I said, just a fucking try too hard. Um, so, you know, I actually hope RDA smashes him to bits. I don't know if that's going to happen. It'll probably be a really good fight, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, what, for me, the letdown on this card is is the fact that is the fact that on the main card, just to get viewers and just to bring over like an established, if you want to call it that established audience is having a guy who's own one versus another guy that's own one. Um, and what I'm talking about is CM Punk. So CM Punk is obviously the ex wrestler. Um, was his name? Phil Brooks or Mike Brooks or something like that. Um, who wanted to give him? Who wanted to try his hand at MMA? So they gave him Mickey Gall, uh, an up and coming sort of beginner UFC debut uh, fight. And as everybody predicted, Mickey Gall took him down, choked him out, or beat him up, choked him out. Now that was like two years ago. And for all intents and purposes, I mean, there were whispers and, and things about him, you know, not giving it up. He said it, you know, I'm going to come back. I'm going to try this again. And I get that. Like, like you want to try it, but like, there are other places to do it. <laughs> like, you're a joke. Like, CM Punk is not an M MMA fighter. He might do MMA and he might train MMA, but he's not an MMA fighter. He's just not. Like, I don't know anything about this Mike Jackson guy, except he should change his nickname because it's the truth and he's 0-1, so we'll see. But I imagine that Mike Jackson has had some fights elsewhere, been through it, been training for more than three years. I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't know anything about him. Apparently, he's got a zero-inch reach compared 
according to the M, uh, to the UFC website. He's got a zero inch reach and he's got no legs because he's got a zero inch reach on his legs as well. Um, update it. Hey, significant strikes for CM Punk landed per minute zero. <laughs> his accuracy zero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else do we got here? Oh, yeah. Grappling. This is where the tail of the tape is like bang on even. Bang on even. Uh, both these guys, in terms of grappling, their takedown average and takedown accuracy is zero. <laughs> their, uh, their takedowns defended and their submission average, zero. <laughs> this is on the main card at UFC 225. I mean, such a sideshow, right? Such a sideshow. What are we doing here? Megan Anderson's fighting Holy Holm on the third main fight of the of the entire card, and they can't do that. They can't get an image for her from Megan Anderson. They can't update Mike Jackson's stats. He's got no arms. He's got no legs. He's got a zero-inch reach and a zero-inch leg reach. What the fuck are we doing, guys? But you'll stick him on a main card and say, hey, go, go ahead. Have at it. I mean, it makes a mockery of the sport. It's the same shit. Different. It's a different thing, but same result with the Colby Covington shit. This brings down the sport. Lowest common denominator shit. CM Punk fighting on a main card in the UFC brings everything down. It brings the quality down. If you want this guy on the card at all, stick him at the bottom. Stick him at the bottom, man. In my opinion, like... If guys are tuning in to watch CM Punk on a main card of the UFC pay-per-view, and that's why they're tuning in, fuck those guys. Get them out of here. They're not real fans of the sport. They're not real fans of the sport. Because if they were, they'd rather see um, Joseph Benavidez and Sergio Pettis in that place instead. Right? I'd rather see Clay Guida Oliveira. I'd rather see Rashad Evans and um, who's he fighting? Pat Smith? No, Anthony Smith. I'd rather see that. It's just, it's, it's shambles. It's shambles to have this guy on the main card of a pay-per-view. And I hope he gets fucked up and I hope he like disappears after this because we don't need him the sport doesn't need him he's irrelevant um he brings nothing to it there's no growth here this is a self this is just a self like exploration type of job this is just him seeing if he can do it if he wants to do that come over to england fighting like uh king of the cage or something or whatever and i get why he hasn't done it i understand all the reasons behind it but It's, it takes us down the other way. It takes us down the strictly entertainment route. And I don't like that. I have no problem with the sport growing. Sustaining its meteoric rise. I got no problem with that. But do it off the strength of the sport. Not off of bringing over personalities. Like Brock Lesnar has a pedigree in wrestling. CM Punk doesn't have any pedigree in anything except pretending how to fight in wrestling. 
Like he's not even that great of an athlete. And Mickey Gall murked him. Uh, like I said, I don't know anything about this Mike Jackson guy. But if he's been training for any significant amount of time, he's going to murk him too. Like, Mike Jackson, if he loses to CM Punk, you retire, pal. That's it. Go get a fucking other job. Go work in an office or something. That's it. I think it's an embarrassment that he's even allowed to fight in the sport. CM Punk I'm talking about. And I just hope that this is another one. I mean, if he comes out and in the last two years have been transformative for him, and he's got this whole well-rounded skill set where he's just clicking and he's putting shit together, eh, okay, good on him. I'll change my complete opinion as and when it's necessary. But I've seen no evidence, and I'm waiting to see some of the UFC, uh, the embeddings this week, because... They're for sure going to focus in on CM Punk. And all I need to do is see him hitting pads a couple of times. That's it. That's it. And we'll see what comes. But for me, it's it's just a piss take because guys like Benavidez and Pettis, you know, like if Pettis wins this fight, he could be in a real position to fight Mighty Mouse. That's important for him. And he should get some shine for that. He's 16 and 3. Number five ranked. Benavidez is number one ranked. Like, that should be up there. You know, Curtis Blades is coming up. He's trying to do his thing. You know, they've given him Alistair Overeem. Great, fantastic. Let's see what he can do. That's behind CM Punk. It's just, it's crazy to me. I understand why they're doing it, but it's crazy to me. 0-1 versus 0-1. That's shit. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But hopefully, things work out the way they're supposed to work out, and we can move on from this uh, kind of sporadic distraction. Like I said, I got no problem with a guy transitioning, moving lanes, if he's got some pedigree, like Brock Lesnar did. Right? But if Brock Lesnar wasn't such an overwhelming specimen, he would not have had the success. It's a, he's just, he's, he's a different type of species, Brock Lesnar. Well, CM Punk isn't. And that stuff that can be offset by Brock's lack of um, experience that can't be offset with CM Punk. So if this Mike Smith guy, is that his name? Mike Smith? Mike Jackson. If this Mike Jackson guy is anything, he should run CM Punk. And if he doesn't, he needs to retire. Right. Enough, enough about that UFC card. Check it out though, guys. It's on, um, it's on, Sunday, this Sunday coming up. It's the 10th of June, I think. Let me just double check back. Hang on one sec. 10th of June, Chicago, Illinois, 3 a.m. UK time. And it should be BT Sport 1 or 2. Um, so anyways, that's enough about the card. Uh, before before we go, uh, I just want to... I just want to 
just want to reiterate something on the, on the podcast here because it's important. It's really it's 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 really important because we're way we're way past this shit and and the fact that it's continuing to go on is um is absurd. Uh, I'm talking I'm just talking about the uh, the situation around uh, cannabis in the UK because you know I try to go on Twitter a couple times a day just see what's going on and and everything like that and I follow a few MPs and I follow the Home Office and blah blah blah. And there seems to be a, a, a little bit of a growing momentum around the cannabis debate in this country, which is positive. People should be talking about it. Um, but the people who should be talking about it, the, the people who we need to take action on it, are being completely silent. And I think it's... Right. There's little kids in this country suffering terribly every single day. Every single day. Right now. Right now, there are little kids in need of a medicine that they currently cannot get their hands on because the leader of this country and her government refuse to take any serious action even after meeting with some of these children and telling them they're going to do something about it. I don't know what more I can do in terms of continuing to speak out about it on here and be active on social media and trying to influence things, you know, through my own channels, but something has to change. Something has to change because our economy is not going to get any better. One with the, you know, developments that are on the horizon, both with this ongoing kind of uh, trade tension that's going on that I spoke about earlier, uh, obviously Brexit, you know, the ongoing struggles with the NHS who have somehow found themselves a billion pounds in debt. Um, services are squeezed in this country or simply not being provided. Um, and we just refuse to address what could be a single measure that helps alleviate so many of these problems that our country faces right now without adding too much, if any, problems as a result. And specifically what I'm talking about is the major problem with keeping weed in this country illegal both medically and recreationally is this if it's not controlled somebody who you don't know with their own business practices will do it they will provide that service and do provide that service and what happens when you've got individuals that are unregulated self-regulated competing with each other for territory or market share. You get gang violence. 
You get deaths. You get stabbings. You get crime. You get theft. You get all kinds of shit that goes along with anything being illegal. But specifically things that don't need to be illegal, that's just retarded. So that's the main problem with weed, is the fact that it's uncontrolled. You have to go to illicit sources, you have to do it in an illegal way, and you have to acquire medicine, a fun drug, whatever you want to call it. You have to you have to sneak around to get that or make creative solutions in order to acquire that. Now, that's the main problem with weed. That's what everybody complains about. It's dangerous. It causes crime. Uh, you know, it's ruining our youth, etc., etc. This is why it is. Because it's not legal, that's why. Singularly, that is why. If that is taken off the table and you are remove the illicit trade and sale, distribution, cultivation of it, of cannabis, and centralize it and bring it in-house, then you can control all of those things. Price, margin, distribution, cultivation, all of those different things medical application, whatever. That solves the only real issue that there is surrounding this topic, which is the illicit nature of it and the things that are fallout and collateral damage as a result. So now we've taken the illicit part out of it and we start to regulate it in a way that is sensible, in a way that has been clearly outlined by a number of different organizations. And we start to recognize and realize the six and a half, is it six and a half billion a year in revenue that it can create, the thousands of jobs that it can create, the reduction in law enforcement, manpower, hours, resources, time, money, effort, all of that in catching criminals, prosecuting criminals, sending prison, sending people to prison, etc., etc. That stuff goes away. The man hours that you have to dedicate to all that stuff, it goes away. But in the same time, you're looking at it from a human rights perspective and you're looking at it from helping the population, from a quality of life perspective. Giving doctors and medical professionals the ability to work within the parameters of medicine rather than archaic laws and guidelines. And at the same time, allowing little boys like Alfie Dingley and Billy Caldwell to get the treatment that they need to alleviate their suffering and pain. It's it is a clear violation of protecting your citizens and giving your citizens the right to the best care possible. And the fact that they're just twiddling their thumbs and see no urgency to take action on this is a crime, man. It's fucking, it's a crime. And we need to be way past it. And we need something done about it. Because every single day it's not 
children are suffering. And I don't want to make it like, oh, well, you know, it's all about this, you know, he wants it legal so he can smoke it, but he's using the guise of these children suffering from it. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to find a way. I'll get mine. Don't worry about me. When the market changes its mind and we fall down on the right side of history, I'll be there to, to you know, toe the line and to, and, and to support the cause 100%. But this is not about me. This is about, this is about the kids that need it, the adults that need it. We need to go medical. We need to go medical fucking six months ago. And the fact that it's not happening is a disgrace. And the more silent this government stays on it, the less they are to even have me read their manifesto, let alone consider it. Because if you're this wrong on something that's this obvious, then I can't have any confidence in anything that you do because your track record already isn't very good. And I'm not willing to stake anything that your future record will be any better, especially not on subjects that are this simple and topics that are this, like I said, this obvious to get right. You're not going to have, I, I mean, I don't know what they think. Like, do you think that you make weed legal today and tomorrow? You've got a bunch of zombies walking around the street. There's more people consuming illicit, bad quality, probably, you know, ghost uh, samples of weed now than you would if it was regulated. It's not happening. The fears that are manifested through the thinking of old around what weed is and what it does to people is held only by those that have never tried it. The only ones that speak on it this way are the ones that have never experienced it. And it would be good to get somebody in that party to come out and admit it. To come out and say what's actually going on is just a, a railroading of the industry because it's currently controlled by a couple of people in that party that have family ties to the current established business model that they have for exporting legal cannabis products. That's all that is. They don't want to give us access to this market. They don't want to give us access to this market for the money that will be made. For the archaic thinkers that they are. But all of that is irrelevant. What is most relevant at this point in time is that you have little kids suffering unnecessarily every day. And until somebody's willing to address that. I don't want to hear anything else. This is the only thing that really matters. We need to change this from a medical position. Because like I said, every single day, these little kids and these adults, but predominantly I'm talking about the little kids because it's in our base rights as human beings to protect the children wherever we can and we're not. And further to that, the prime minister of this country is looking them and their families in the face, saying she's going to help, going to consider every angle and every opportunity to get them help. 
and doesn't do anything about it because she's only worried about protecting her own political career and that currently doesn't fly as a narrative within that party. So it's a sad state of affairs that needs to be rectified. And I hope we can get to that point sooner rather than later. Um, because you're only doing yourself an injustice by staying on the wrong side of history on this. You know? So anyways, I don't know. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up. I think we're going to wrap it up. There's a lot, to, uh, there's a lot more to talk about, but I'm, I'm going to wrap it up for today, guys. Um, we're going to come back again later in the week because there's some stuff that I want to get into. Uh, I might dedicate some shows going forward to single topics which may make them shorter, which may make them longer. I'm not sure. Um, but I'd like to get in there with some, with some specific analysis on, on some very specific topics, things like the, uh, Israel and Palestine conflict, uh, the North Korea summit, the childhood obesity problems in the UK and globally. Um, there's a whole bunch of things. I've got a list, <laughs> um, but we're going to keep going guys. I've got so much to talk about and I haven't even, like I said, I want to start getting some guests on. I'm working on that now, um, as I'm working on the Spotify thing. So I'll keep you guys updated on everything, but when in doubt, check the Facebook, check the Twitter at the quiet part loud. Subscribe on iTunes, rate, feedback, comment, all that stuff. We need people to find us. We want people to find us. Um, and we can only do that if you guys help. Um, and then obviously we're on SoundCloud. That's where we upload everything to. That's where we host everything. So if you are a SoundCloud user, get us there. Um, if not, it's definitely iTunes until Spotify becomes available. So um, we're going to sign off, guys. That's over an hour, almost an hour 20. Uh, so I'm going to leave it there. This is episode 37 of The Quiet Part Loud. I'm your host, Daryl. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, guys, all the best. <laughs>